Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Bob's Heating and Air Conditioning, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line, streaming live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com, and of course, the venerable V. Outdoorline.com with blogs, podcasts, and so very, very much more. Joey Pyburn. Good morning. We did we didn't fish together for a whole week straight this week. Just no. Just we, a day well, or two. We, we got out on the water uh yesterday and uh we went right back into it, man, <laughs> and you did. hooked a fish within like three minutes. <laughs> didn't take long. No. Yeah, it's been that kind of thing. And you brought a guest with you today. I did. Well, not, I, not necessarily not really a guest, more like family. Yes, fam- he's definitely family. Uh when, when I I was not expecting to see him when I talked to him last night uh, over the the inReach back in the backcountry. He was eight miles in and had just put a bear down, and that was at about four o'clock in the afternoon, four thirty. And and I just figured, shoot, he's there's no way he's making it out of there and going to be sitting at my house at at four a.m. like I told him to be. Uh, he had my Subaru because he doesn't have a vehicle here, so. Um, but he showed up uh, and, and was successful uh, in harvesting a, a Washington fall bear um, with very limited time. And uh, one of the days pretty much stuck up there in the rain and the fog. And yesterday it cleared and you guys uh, you guys put a bear on the ground. Yesterday Ryan afternoon. Lampers at the Stealthy Hunter. How you doing? I am doing great this morning, guys. Hey, I made a commitment to Joe. I told him I'd be here. So no matter what, we were getting off the mountain last night. It was a grind, but we did it. Uh, my camera guy, he may not walk the same for a while, but there's no way I was dragging his bones down here this morning. He was not going to be out of bed for So a while. you were eight miles out of your base camp. So you had to break, well, break, break down this Bruin. We were about 10 and a half miles where we, we dropped this bear and then about, yeah, about that from the rig. But um, our base camp was up on this ridge and we had dumped the bear about a thousand feet down in oh. elevation. And so it was, uh, it was a struggle fest, no doubt about it. Like <laughs> well, we, we made it happen. <laughs> it was a short trip. We had weather, like Joe mentioned, the first day in, we had nothing but that big rain squall came mm-hmm. in, and then we had a day of fog. You know, it was oh, yeah. hot, and that, that fog just settled up there on the mountain, and we just couldn't see anything. So we really, you know, this came down to like one day's worth of hunting. Well, and one, really one morning. I mean, you, you had morning. a hard out. You wanted to be out of there by like 2 p.m. Our plan was like we would really like to be hiking back to the rig by noon. That didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had that morning, and we got out there early, and the, and the skies were clear, and we had all the anticipation of seeing bears, and we saw bears. You know, we saw four bears that morning, and we found one that excited us, and we got into position, and he disappeared like they do, but he was just sleeping in the in the berry fields, and we just couldn't get eyes on him. And, yeah, about 2 o'clock that, that day, he ended up popping back out. We took him, and then it was just a— uh, work fest to try to get him out and back so i could be here on this show today <laughs> yeah well we appreciate that we absolutely do and, and so we this uh this show's going to have a lot of lot of animal hair in it there's no question yeah. because ryan just got back 
previous to this from uh, a hunt in Sitka. I mean, you basically flew straight from Sitka right to here, and, yeah. and the and the Sitka. You know, it's not just one deer in Sitka. It's uh, it's kind of a handful. Yeah, you know, they give you a couple tags, a couple of buck tags a piece if you want. You know, two buck tags, and and this was a phenomenal hunt. I could talk about it if you'd like. It was a hunt with my daughter and a couple of friends that are Alaska residents up there, and. And then Kayam, my camera guy, who uh, you guys met yeah, he not came that fit. long ago. He made the mistake of coming fishing. With yeah, us. yeah, great guy. Yeah, and uh, sure. he's just been being thrown into the fire on a lot of these hunts, but he does great. And uh, this was a hunt that, you know, I've really, my daughter has taken to this thing that I love, and it's really cool to see. So I want to get her out as much as possible, get her as much trigger time as possible. And every single time I get her out there, guys, she impresses me even more. That's wonderful. She out hikes these guys. She <laughs> she probably out hiked Joe at this point. Oh. She is impressive. She's she she's a she's a monster on the mountain, and she shoots really really well. Um, she's loving this. That's and I'm yeah. loving well, having her out there hunting with me. And, and there's no nothing you know more fulfilling than 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 to have. You know, have your family enjoy what you do and what you love. And we're going to yep. dig into this and tell the whole uh, stealthy hunter story in in the second segment and actually throughout the show. And uh, but you know, meanwhile, Joe, we we just have a ton of stuff going on here on just about every front. So um, we uh, we we had WDFW basically reverse their position on Marine Area Ten. Um, the, the the press release they, they wrote regarding the reopening of Ten was really troubling to me because it pointed out that, well, the test fishing really can help these fisheries. And when, when in reality, the test fishing pointed out how wrong they were to close this fishery in the first time, then we see in the Seattle Times yesterday that the co-managers had the biggest test fishery in the past 15 years, greatest success yeah, in, in the Elliott Bay. Bay fishery, indicating that there's just an amazing biomass. And, and so... Not only are, do we have a tremendous amount of adult hatchery fish and adult unclipped fish, we have a lot of sublegals because, it, you know, I mean, you can't have a lot of little ones. can't have a lot of big ones unless you have a lot of little ones. So Area 10 never should have been closed in, in the first place. And so where what WDFW points out as, oh, just a wonderful thing for the fishery was, look, it's, it's kind of spitting in our face a little bit because we got three days now. Three days. Three days. When we should have the entire month of August. We should, yeah. So so WDFW is trying to tell you, you just stepped in chocolate cake when you just stepped in a carpet cookie from your from your toy poodle here. Okay? So so we, we got to kind of keep an eye on this. And then, you know, furthermore, you, you drew my attention to a commission action that, that now is looking to further reduce our bear opportunity here in the Strait. Bear and, and cougar. Know, yeah. Um, I mean, and look, it... it they're not hiding what they what they they're trying to do. Uh, they want to probably take away our two bear fall bear limit. They they'd like to see that go to one. Um, they're still they're still wanting more data collected from the department. But they want to act in the absence of data, which is very very yes, troubling. They, they would like to uh, enact these shorten our seasons, maybe take away one of our fall bears before they see the data. Now now. It's hard to collect data on bears. They're not like deer or elk where you can you can fly go, over. You can fly over yeah. when they're in their winter range. You get a pretty accurate count on on uh, you know deer and elk populations. Bears are tough. They live in the woods. They live in the thick stuff. Um, Ryan, I mean, look, Ryan had to climb <laughs> ten miles into the mountains up there to the berry fields 
Well, the the bears are in the berry fields this time of year, but they spend a lot of their time, you know, foraging in the forest and the thick thick stuff, you know, the blackberries. So it's hard to get an accurate count on bears in Washington State, but we know we have a lot of bears. Yeah. And the the department needs to get some data collected and get it in front of that commission and and shut this thing down. Uh, it, I mean, look, Ryan hiked into the mountains. He had a very short window. They saw four bears, Tom. Yeah, yeah. And and I spend quite a bit of time up in the berry fields, you know, this time of year. I've seen 10 bears in a day. And we have a ton of bears. We look, do. we have them in, we have down in, in towns, in neighborhoods right now, at parks. Yep. That's, that's the troubling. That's the troubling aspect of the, of the direction of the commission right now. You know, two weeks ago we have an eight year old child attacked, and they have to shut down Olympic National Park because of a cougar interaction. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, when you you back off all this hunting, so we'll, we're going to dig in, you know, more into this as we go through the year and as we go into in a hunting season. But but right now um, we just got to talk about the success people are having on the water in the areas that are open. Now, it, it, it still ticks me off that Marine Area 11 is only open to shore angling right now, but in the areas that are open, Area 9, Area 10, which reopened yesterday. Phenomenal fishing. And, I mean, and the, Elliott the Bay right out here, dude, probably one of the best Chinook fisheries is right here in, in, right here in Seattle. And Elliott Bay is going off. Yeah, I mean, um, they're, they're at .66 Chinook per rod. Uh, 90, 93 Chinook boated for 140 anglers, 11 coho in the mix, 50 pinks. Now we're starting to see the pink numbers oh, yeah. rise. And if you go and check out the Department of Fish and Wildlife Creel reports for Puget Sound, the pinks are here, guys. And and uh, Tom and I saw that out on the water yesterday. They're jumping around. They're flipping <laughs> around out there. Um, get the kids out. Go get some of those pinks. They're, look, they're great table fare. Eat them fresh. Put them, you know, smoke them. Uh, just go out and have fun, man. They're, yeah, they're sure. fun to catch, and there's a lot of them out there. We're starting to see some some really nice ocean coho yep. show up in Area 9. Now, I talked to Matt Chandler, um, Get Hooked Northwest, yesterday. He, he's he been living in Area 9, yeah. right? Yeah. Catching some really nice coho. It's about 50-50 on the, on the marked coho, um, and seeing some fish in that 7 to 9-pound range already. And so... If you want to be left alone, you want to have a spot all to yourself, remember, Area 9 is still open, Area 8182, open for coho, lots of pinks around. There's just a, a ton of fish. Um, if you can't catch a fish right now in Puget Sound, you need to uh, you need to come to our seminars yeah, and yeah, you no need kidding. help. Yeah, no doubt about it. You should be able to catch a fish with anything, you know, put anything on the on the hook, throw it out there, you're going to catch a fish right now in Puget so, Sound. So, yeah, and, and it, it's it's kind of almost sad that right now Nia Bay has, you know, half the anglers that they've had out there. Still two fish limit out at Nia Bay. Uh, La Push is still cranking on, but but Westport, it, it, it was interesting to me that, that finally more coho got pushed into Westport and pushed that Chinook number down to number two. But Ilwaco's just been a complete smoke show. And, and all our friends down at Bowie 10 right now, they said, guys, they're so thick down here, even you can catch them Yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> well, and I checked in with my buddy Roger Ross out in CQ. He fished two days. They hooked 32 Chinook. I don't doubt it, dude. And, and Roger is a stick, but that tells you there's still oh, a there's lot of fish coming piles. into Puget Sound. Yes. And then, you know, some of those fish are also going to go around the corner, and they're headed for probably Bowie 10. But there's just there's Chinook everywhere. Uh, I love seeing the pink numbers start to rise here because, look, you you still have opportunity to catch Chinook in in Area 10, Elliott Bay, but you're going to incidentally catch 
Coho and Pinks right along. So there's going to be a lot of action. It's an exciting time to be on the water right now. It is, you know, and 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 so kind of quietly what I'm what I'm what I'm hoping for. Well, not so quietly now. Yeah, is is the fact that listen, it, it, we are we're going to have surplus fish in in our rivers. We're going to have surplus. You know, Chinook, and, and I hesitate to quote surplus, unquote. We're going to see more. Um, we're going to see more hatchery fish on the spawning grounds this fall, and, and I hope we have good spawning conditions for them. Because you know, once once a fish hatches and, and goes back out there, man, it is absolutely has to be counted as a as an unclipped fish. And so, um, you know, we we're on an upswing of something really really special, and and that's you know we're seeing it this year. We're actually seeing. You know, a lot of fish enhancement efforts and a lot of increased hatchery plants actually, you know, get traction and produce more fish. And, and But it's not going to help us unless we translate this into more consistent, plannable opportunity that the, isn't subject to in-season closures. Yeah, and that's the, that's the key. Plannable opportunity. Not these, you know. Let's open it's, this. It's, okay, hey, it's open this weekend. Oh, yeah. hey, it's open. You know, no, it's closed now. And it just, it just frustrates anglers. Oh, it's, it's, it's like, but it's, it's not everybody can drop what they're doing right. and go jump on a fishery that's only going to be there for a day or two or three. Okay? Yeah, exactly right. Um, exactly yeah. right. All right. Well, okay. So tell you what, guys. Uh, load up a text to eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. That is the Reverse John Hotline. You're about to buy Wellcraft Duckworth Northwest Boat. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six is also the uh, the text toy powered by Yamaha Outboards. Give us ninety seconds. We're going to be right back here with the Stealthy Hunter, telling us a couple stories and telling us kind of the kind of the superhero origin story, if you will, of the Stealthy Hunter. The Stealthy. Oh, you're going to make him blush. Yeah. Well, I, I, don't I can know. see he, him turning red already. Mm-hmm. Smells like bear in here. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I'll bet it does. <laughs> <laughs> Give us 90 seconds. We're right back here with Ryan Lampers, the Stealthy Hunter, a lot more right here on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports 710, Seattle Sports app. That is Joey Pyburn. Matt Nelson running the board. I'm Tom Nelson in the studio. Very special guest today, none other than the Stealthy Hunter himself, at the Stealthy Hunter at Instagram, Ryan Lampers, who uh, fresh off a uh, cinematographic adventure expedition, a photographic expedition to to Sitka to Mm -hmm. – Get a couple black tails, and that was that was an amazing trip. And and just literally out of the woods yesterday, yesterday in the North Cascades, uh, harvesting a wonderful Washington black bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, for the fact that you are actually sitting here after having a bear down tomorrow afternoon, back you know, ten miles in the woods. Man, thank you for being here. Sure, the, sure. That was a mind. You, you have worked harder to get here than than literally any other guest <laughs> that we've ever had. So, so we question your sanity, but but not your passion. What you've got going on is is just been amazing. So, um, tell us. Let, let's harken back a little bit to to that Sitka hunt and some of the challenges that that you had there. Obviously, it's it's not that tough to get to Sitka. It's a you know seven thirty seven lands right at Rocky Gutierrez Airport. Then you met our friend Joel Martin. Yes. No, I got to meet Joel. That was a treat. Great guy. Oh, dude. Um, yeah, heck of a trip. This season has uh, started off with a bang. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, me and my daughter left. We uh, we got into Sitka, and we had all these grand anticipations of what this trip was going to be like, and it couldn't have gone better, you know. 
we didn't even get any rain, guys. Like, we, we didn't even put the rain jackets on until awesome. the day we flew out from this trip. So we really lucked out on that. But, you know, my daughter got to catch a ton of pinks when we got into town <laughs> just off the jetty there yeah, you know right, she right, was just crushing right the harbor. them and yeah oh yeah i went down to stargavin there and and she crushed a bunch of them down there too it was it was a ton of fun and and then we got to start in on our hunt which couldn't have gone better um i was telling joe this morning as we drove down you know a couple of the stories that we had one was kind of a hunting slash fishing story yeah. on my daughter's first buck. Yeah, let's hear that because it's a, just such a great story. Yeah, so you know, we when we got in there, um, and we had e scouted this this little pothole. It's just a no name lake, you know, and uh, it just on, looked good. on cruise off island. I mean, you took a boat from Sitka. It was a uh, big island, a no name island that okay. we okay. will. Yeah, okay, fair it enough. It was just an island All out right. there fair somewhere, <laughs> and. Uh, and it looked, everything looked good. It all fit the bill for sure. for the makings of a good alpine blacktail hunt. Um, we got there, you know, we, that next day we, we climbed up this really nice little saddle. Actually, it was like a five, 600 foot climb to the top, got over there and it was an evening hunt. We just wanted to get a little bit of something in. Um, and we, we see a couple of bucks and then I, I see this one buck and it's got, you know, out there, you're looking for something with three points. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good, mature, respectable blacktail. Yeah. And, uh, and we located it. Long story short, my daughter puts a perfect shot on this nice buck coming down this, uh, this kind of this edge to this alpine lake that was half of it was still iced over, you know, so it's got icebergs out there in August. In August. Crazy. And, uh, and she puts a great shot on this buck. Well, it runs off the hill, takes a little swim. I was, I was surprised that this buck even went anywhere when we found the bullet placement on this thing. He comes back to shore. He swims back out into the middle, and he dies. Middle of the pond. <laughs> and we're sitting there glassing it. Iced and over. Now what do we do? We're yeah. sitting there 250 yards away looking at it, watching this play out. And we're like, oh, no. <laughs> now what? Like, who's, who's going to whim hop this thing and go out and fetch that deer? And then I remembered I, I had I'd brought up a little ugly stick, a little four-piece travel wow. rod, right? With you. But it was back at camp. Oh, okay. So now I've got this massive descend back down to camp and then ascend back up to where the guys were. So I raced down to camp, got the rod, bring it up there. I brought the heaviest castmaster I had <laughs> with the treble hook on it. You know, I just happened to have one, something that I could really get out there because the lake was small but not that small, and that deer just happened to be in the middle of it. So I got up there. It's pitch black. You know, we all get our brightest headlamps going, and and we can just see the body of it out there. And I'm chucking this castmaster out, and it took me. I don't know, 15, 20 tries, but I hooked it. <laughs> and where did you hook and it? And I brought it to shore, and I would hooked that darn thing in the mouth. So it was perfect, perfect And this placement. is all captured on – Kayam has this oh, yeah. all captured oh, no. on video. Yeah, and I flossed that thing right in the mouth. <laughs> that is awesome. Brought it in, got it out, broke it down. Um, just – I'm always so impressed with her shooting. You know, she just made a perfect shot. Hard to believe that deer even went 10 feet, let alone – Found it in him to swim out into this wow. pond. But no, it was a great start to our trip. And all things just from there just kept getting better and better. And we ended up taking seven bucks, you wow. know, on this trip of a group of five of us. And yeah. so when, when, when Kyle gets the footage back and it gets edited, um, 
what, what, what will it be on Gritty? What will it be? Uh, where will it come out on? So we're going to put it on our own channel. Okay. Um, we may end up putting it on Gritty Channel as okay. well, which is where most of our films sure. are. But we're we're kind of doing a, a combo. We're doing some of our own, some on Gritty, splitting it up, mm-hmm. um, supporting each other, and, and growing both channels. So well, and if that's fo- going to be the goal here. If folks didn't check out what what you guys did this spring, you had a phenomenal spring. You you mm-hmm. you were able to take a bear. I mean, we had you on. Mm-hmm. Um, you took a bear, you took a cougar, and you took another wolf. Yep. And I mean, I. I I don't watch all your stuff, um, <laughs> but but I watched that whole series, man, and, and the yeah. content is so good. It's amazing, dude. I mean, you guys wow. just it's, it's capture inspiring. the essence. I don't of take credit for that. I, I just hunt hard as hard as I can. But well, Brian is he's got the magic. Dude, he's editing, so good. So. Well, it's just editing can can make your break. You can have yeah. the best content, but you need you need to tell the story, and and that's obviously you know what what you're so wonderful at too. Even behind the mic and, and you know, on on all the podcasts you've you've done as well. So I uh, tell you, so tell you what, we're getting kind of late for a break, but I do want to get more into this, get more into your bear story as well. Mm-hmm. But I, but I'm so glad that you got to go up to Sitka and meet Joel. Um, Sitka is just an, an amazing place. It absolutely captivates you, man. It's it just does. Kind of, for sure one of the one of the uh, one of the world's great places. Got to get no, back. Oh, makes yeah. you want to go yeah. back. Well, you're gonna have to jump on the boat. We're gonna have to send you home with some white meat too, because <laughs> you know, that is the halibut capital it of is. the world. There's no question. And the salmon cap, man, they've been doing so well. In you know, in in, in addition, you know, we've been talking to Robo, the, the coho in southeast Alaska right now. It's just well, and I saw stunning. Joel posted a picture of a forty pound chinook. Yeah. Yeah. Fishbearnoff.com. That's what I know. I mean, dude. they're catching crankers up yeah, there right now. For Some sure. Of those big fish, we we say it all the time. Those big fish show up this they're time late. of year. Yeah. And they're they're showing up all over the place. From for sure. Sitka all the way down to Bowie Tank. Yeah, I talked to Lisa Killick of Peregrine Lodge, did a fifty five pounder fifty five yesterday. You know, and just wait, somebody's gonna get a gagger, probably somebody we know in our in our in our now newly beloved Rivers Inlet, yeah. I tell you. So the next time we go to Rivers Inlet we are probably going to be spinning a couple of Shero props. What's a Shero prop? Give me a couple minutes. Greg Shero joining us next of Shero Marine. I'm going to tell another story for you that's super interesting how you, you, how this whole Shero thing came to be. And, and what's a Shero prop? It's a tipless blade that's quieter, going to save you 20% off fuel. Super interesting conversation. Greg Shero joining us next. Turn the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI Shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. We're back to outdoor line. One of the things that absolutely makes me feel so fortunate about what we get to do, Joey, is learn about what's available out there with regard to innovations and, and, and products and how we can do our job better. But how about saving 20 percent on fuel how about doing it more quietly how about having better control and and, and safety around your boat how about checking out cherylmarine.com that's the website of our next guest greg cheryl the inventor the 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 bell of the ball with regard to marine propulsion these days good morning greg and thanks for joining us morning greg Good morning. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Joey. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for you know, thanks for having us. Quite frankly, I, I mean, so we met a year ago, and and so now you know we've we've got a calendar year under our belts. You know, running the Cheryl yeah, props, and you know, and and I'm so as much as people like to grouse about the initial outlay, I'm revenue neutral after year. I have saved the money. That, that it would have cost to invest in these props. And now the savings continue. So so after after you have now, you know, 
been through this journey and you're you're seeing other testimonials and performance reports. I mean, what's your takeaway? What's one of your current lessons that that you've learned? You know, what what hits you with regard to the impact of really what is the most true innovation in propeller science in the past couple hundred years? Uh, you know, it the efficiency is such a big deal and helps so many people. After having our props in the field for several years now, I have to tell you that one of the biggest innovations above and beyond that with this technology is just how quiet it is and how much more control you have over your vessel. And so there's a safety element that is really profound. I know you guys experienced it when you tried the prop for the first time. And when people call me to, you know, thank me for designing this propeller because I have it on the boat, they talk about efficiency, but they they really rave about the, how quiet it is, how much more control they have, how smooth it is, and how much safer it is to maneuver around the dock um, and get up out of the hole at lower RPMs. You know, they can enjoy conversations, and they they just weren't expecting it. They heard it. They heard it in the marketing. But when you experience it, it's just it's a, it's a totally different level. And I and, so um, so yeah. I've been able to experience it for over a year now, and I spend a lot of time on the water. Um, the performance aspect of these props. I was lucky enough. You guys shipped three props up to Sitka for me to play with at Fish Baranoff this year on on uh, some twenty one foot right. aluminum boats with one hundred and fifty horse Yamaha motors on them, and the performance was incredible i mean i have never ran one of those boats wide open and cranked it hard to the port and turned the the tightest circles i've ever turned and that boat there was no cavitation no slip only once we turned like three of them and now i'm coming across my wake you know you'd get a little bit i've never it just grabbed so hard in the water it's incredible people like you said until you experience it, you just don't – you can't really get it in your head how, how these things perform, the, the noise reduction aspect. You're going to run your boat yeah. in that, that 2,500 to 4,000 range, and you're going to save fuel, which extends your range, right? I mean there's, a, there's just so many cool things with these props, and, and I'm, I'm very excited about you know, what you guys have, have uh, come up with here, Greg. I can hear your excitement. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just I want more and more people to, to experience this, and a lot of my buddies now. Well, well and now we're seeing them. it. Now we're seeing it. We're oh, yeah. seeing guys, you know, order it and and listen. I, hey, I thought you guys. Yeah, I I would didn't believe it until I experienced it myself, and and that's you know that's kind of what we we like seeing other people being able to tell their Shero story. But I I think we need to kind of go back just a minute, and and, and we're we're talking with Greg Shero, of course, inventor of the of the Shero uh, tipless prop. Go to Shero marine.com um the story of how you came up with this innovation is is, is fascinating as well if you, if you wouldn't mind just sharing that just again a lot of people are just it, it's a great story and you weren't even heading towards a, an innovation in marine propulsion you were heading in another direction greg a totally different direction you know people ask me all the time you know what engineering school did you go to and then <laughs> when i tell them that i when I have a degree in classical compositions from Berkeley College of Music, they, they're like, "What?" Um, and then I tell them the story of how I was a you know executive producer in Philadelphia for many years, 
and working in the arts and culture industry, designing digital cinema acquisition systems for you know, multi-camera broadcasts around the world. And I wanted to use a drone for one of my shoots, but I couldn't use it because it made so much noise. So I just thought, oh, I'll just make a, I'll make a Tempest propeller. And I asked myself the question of like, well, what, what would a Tempest propeller look like and how would it function? And then while I was walking my dog the next day, uh, this idea just kind of popped in my head. And I, I knew instantly this is... The this idea, is, the, um, the idea yeah, popped out yeah. of your dog. Come on. You can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is, a, this is a family broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, that was the beginning and now 10 years later, almost 11 years, we have over 180 patents around the world and we, we can't make them fast enough. Um, this year we doubled our capacity at the beginning of the year. Uh, so we were able to make 600 a month and we opened a new facility this year that is going to give us a total capacity of 1300 a month. And even that is a, just a tip of the iceberg of what, but the demand is for these uh, for these propellers and this technology. We're also expanding into other market sectors, drones, um, and into you know windmills and um, HVAC systems and inline pumps. And the, the prop can be used for so many uh, purposes for moving fluid um, in air that it's you know we're we're excited about what the future is going to bring in all these different market sectors. But we started in the in the one that I have the most passion for. Um, you know, Marine, you know, I grew up as a boater and, um, until I spent some time with you guys, <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't realize that I, you know, had a, you know, a true passion for fishing. Yeah. And, um, and so I get to experience all this, you know, while, while inventing things and you know, traveling the world and you know, changing people's experience on the water. It's really exciting. I believe Tom you- and I do a pretty good job of, uh, <laughs> uh br- we, we will bring the fishermen out of you. Yeah, we, yeah. What, how, did, how did you phrase Everyone it? Everyone has a fisherman inside They them. do. And, and how did you phrase it, Greg? Uh, yeah. Paramilitary style angling? <laughs> yeah, paramilitary style. So exciting. I had, well, I had salmon for breakfast to warm up for this interview. There you go. That's absolutely perfect. All right. Well, what's next? What's next for you? How? What does innovation look like to somebody that's already just on the forefront of innovation? And how are people going to like find these uh, find these items, find your products in this local Pacific Northwest market, Greg Shero? So the best way to find it and to purchase it is to go to sherowmarine.com. And when you order it, it, you are immediately connected to your account manager who is with you the entire the entire duration of the, the ordering process you know, before we manufacture it and after we deliver it to ensure you're getting the performance that that you need and want. And so uh, go to sharemarine.com and you just select the the propeller, the model that it fits in the horsepower range that you have. So we launched a new model this year. So we have two different models, the MX and the XO. Uh, the MX is for uh, motors that are 150 horsepower to 450, and can really be for any um, any major man, uh, you know, outboard manufacturer and stern drive. And then we've got a, a brand new model, the XO, which is for the large gear case motors, um, you know, for the Mercury V10 and V12, and for the the Yamaha, uh, yeah, you know, 425, 425 and 450. And um, and in, in terms of innovation, um, you know, we're constantly evolving. 
graphical design constantly. And we're, you know, just like software, there's new software, new operating platforms and systems come out once a year. We, we have a new generation of the Share MX that, that comes out every year. And now we're three years into delivering. We're on gen, generation three. And we're, we're always making them faster, more efficient, better. Uh, the initial design is revolutionary. And now we're in this evolutionary phase where we evolve it, um, you know, year after year. And then take that learning and put it into all the other different technologies that we're, we're developing. Well, I, I'm just, it's, it's a fascinating technology. The seat of your pants feel of, of these props is something you need to experience. And, and if Joey and I hadn't been on the boat and experienced it and felt it, there's, there's nothing else you can bolt to your boat right now, today, this afternoon, that will save you 20% on fuel, make your boat quieter, and more maneuverable about them. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing. This is it. Yeah. This is it right here. Greg Shero, thank you for your time today. We appreciate that. And 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 uh, I'm actually heading up to Eagle Craft uh, on, on the north tip of Vancouver Island at uh, Campbell River next month, where they have a uh, they've got a 40 footer that has four 450s on the front of it, and they want to talk to you oh, about nice. putting yeah. So you know where I'm going with that. I need two rights and two rights for a 450. <laughs> Send me a box. Yeah, Greg, Greg Cheryl. Yeah, big box, dude. All right, man. Thank you so much. Hey, we need, we need to get you up here. Yeah, too. You, gotta come you, you were supposed to. You were supposed yeah, to be up yeah. here this week, but yeah. you got to get your butt up here. There's a lot of fish around, and and uh, we we need to we need to spin those wheels with you again, buddy. I'm going to be up there soon, guys. Good. Please for me. All right. Let, let, let us know, Greg. Thanks, Thanks so Greg. much. All right. All right. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it so much. Yeah, Greg Shero, ShiroMarine.com. Fun guy, just a brilliant guy, and, and uh, definitely this is what propulsion looks like on your outboard motor from now on. Well, I and mean, I mean, nothing's changed with with props for since like 1830. No. It's the same design, yeah. right? Yeah. Finally, like you said, Tom, there's something that you can bolt onto your, your motor that's going to make quieter better performance, better fuel savings. Have it's you, just, have you, you know, looked at the price on the pump lately, gang? Yeah. Yeah. This is a way to help yourself out with that. So there's no question about it. All right. Coming up next, Rain Rain Picks of the Week here for Smack Dab, middle of August. There's a lot going on. Stay tuned. We can tell you all about it right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports App. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Ray Marine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Ray Marine, simply superior. <laughs> It just adds more enjoyment to your time on the water when you know where you're at, you know what's underneath your boat, you know what's around your boat. Set sails from New Horizons with Ray Marine, raymarine.com. Elliott Bay should be on your horizon. Oh, dude. You talk about one of the easiest pieces of navigation right here. We we could basically, like, fall off Pier 60, Pier 64 right here. Yeah. And, and, and just, what a cool place to dude. fish with the backdrop with the city right For there. For sure. Uh, yeah. The fishing's been great out there. I have I had a bunch of buddies on the water yesterday. and uh, um, Hammer, Hammer time. Yeah, they're great anglers, and they went out there and had a great time catching some really nice Chinook. Buoy 10 went off with a boom. It did. Yeah, the it last did. couple in, of days. Checked yeah. in with our, our good buddy Dave Lee from Three Rivers Marine yesterday. Nice size fish. Yeah, big fish. Dude, big fish. And, and he said, you know, they killed some really nice uprivers, sure. some hatchery fish, yeah. released some really big uh, wild fish. Um, spinners. Yeah. Dave, Dave's yeah. got a, a phenomenal Dude. spinner game. Dave's got an and, everything game. And, uh, you know, obviously we, when we go down there, we love to run our, we love to spin our baits. Just, um, you know, but, 
because but we, we're doing a different thing. Dave's running the boat all by himself. Yes, he is. And you, it's real easy for those guys. I, I checked in with Matt. Which is Jan. different than Joey running the boat all by himself, Ryan. Right. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> well, you and I have you and we we work as a team, and, it, and it's much different than for sure. guys like Dave or Matt Chandler. Yeah. He's down there running six rods. Yeah. And you it know is. Matt's running spinners down there too, and, and it's just easy, right? Running baits is work. You got to be working, constantly checking those baits, making sure they're working. Um, but the, but the big herring, if you want to catch big chinook down there, those big yeah. blues and purples, you so, spin those baits, you're going to catch big fish. And and I, and let me just say this about about the bait and the spinner thing. Okay, I mean there's there's kind of a book that that, that says well when river temperatures get you know, you know, maybe it's a spinner bite, okay? And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, that's one thing. I, I, Last I, year I, we had water temps in the 70s, know, and dude. you and I ran baits the whole time down there, and we hammered Bingo. them. I, I've never bought that argument, and, and, and here's why. The ocean temperatures do not change that much. River temperatures absolutely do because you're talking about a series of reservoir impoundments that comprise the Columbia River that come down. That water stagnates. But then that that cool Pacific Ocean comes in on the bottom, and, and that water's denser. Salty water stays down there. So the bottom, that bottom, those bottom layers, especially on the flood, really don't change that much temperature. The reason you and I stay with bait is because you can catch salmon on bait everywhere we go. Yeah. From Sitka to middle of coast of Oregon to Cal, it don't matter. Everything else Everything, is just an imitation. Thank Everybody's you. Thank trying you. to, bingo, you know, That's, imitate yes. bait. Well, we just run bait, and and so the better you get with bait, the better you are going to be everywhere. Ain't nobody going to be running a spinner in in Rivers Inlet or in the Queen Charlotte's or coastal Washington and stuff like that. It is a very specific. Now, dude, the spinner thing is cool. I get it, okay. But if you get good with bait, you are good. Yeah, I can't do the spinner thing. I just I know we've it's tried. I know it's very effective, we, and we've, we've tried, tried and we've, we've failed tried. miserably because because we're not. We're I mean, not we've tuned caught a few. Like, yeah, we're not. You're right. It's a it, it, it's a discipline. Yeah, it it is a discipline, and I get it, and I completely respect it. And and like you said, when you are running a boat all by yourself, and and you send you save that time, you know, don't have to check your baits and stuff like that. You really cannot argue with the mechanical efficiency of a spinner under a those spinner conditions. or absolutely or you know, obviously, there's times when here in Puget Sound, you run you run gear, yeah, right, you true. run spoons, true. We um, we, yeah. actually, we actually saw kind of a microcosm of that yesterday, a little bit. Well, and that Just dude, that that. 3.0 cookies Dude, and cream, Kingfisher, has been odd. money all season there from must, the very there, beginning. There must be just some little bait fish swimming around that looks like a 3.0 Kingfisher with a yeah, like, I mean, some cream. I mean, dude, I don't know what it is that Chinook are eating, but they, they will, they're grinding the paint off that let, spoon. Let's yeah. give guys a few tips here. For if sure. You, if you want to go out and you want to target uh, the, these coho, these ocean coho that are pushing into the sound right now, our good buddy Matt Chandler kind of ran, gave me the rundown. He's staying in Area 9. He said he was on the West Bar of Possession the other day. There was a dozen boats. Now, that yeah. is much different Dude. than what you're going to find down in Area 10 in Elliott Bay right now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of boats. Um, obviously, you can you can chase some Chinook down there for the next couple of days. But if you want to chase these coho, you you run coho gear, you know, run 32 to 46-inch liter with, a, with that cookies and cream, 2.5 or 3.0. Go fast. You're going to encounter yeah, less yeah. pinks if yeah. you go fast. Now, if you, now look, if you're not catching coho and you just want to get bit, slow your boat down. Yeah. And boom. Yeah. You're going to catch pinks right away. <laughs> Trust me. Um, and so, so we got Area 9, Area 10. We got Elliott Bay. We got Bowie 10. 
and then we still have the coast. And what's happening on the coast right now is a lot of guys are starting to to leave the Chinook grounds, and they're making mm-hmm. the run for the tuna grounds. Yeah, they are. And my, my good buddy Nick Pulley did it yesterday, and they ran 60 miles out of Westport. Uh, most of those miles headed south towards Iwako. They were catching tuna, and they could see land, so they weren't that far out. These these tuna are going to be very close here outside of Westport before we know it. Yeah. And, and it's going to be a really good tuna season, and these fish are big. They had tuna up to 27 pounds. Keep, keep in mind— it's not the middle of August yet. Yeah, and, and already we're seeing we're seeing a grade of albacore that that indicates a very productive ocean. We're seeing um, a temperature regime in the ocean that yes, okay. I mean, some people want to ring the fiver and fiver alarm the fire that it's it's an El, it's an El Nino. Oh my goodness, dude! These temperature cycles have been going on in the ocean Forever. since there was an ocean. And 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 make a long story short, to your point, yeah, we're going to see we're going to see tuna within twenty miles of Westport. I, I have no doubt. That, that within within the next month, that's what we're going to see. So and and it's and it's you know pretty cool for the fleet. Let, let's let's uh, give them. Here's some other things you guys can look forward to. So on the August 14th, this Monday, the Skagit River is going to open up for pinks. Yeah, um, and there are a bunch of pinks up there. Checked in with uh, Kevin John yesterday. They're jumping all over. So uh, buy your sand shrimp, get your little pink spinning glows, and go plunk off the bank and and have some fun catching some pinks on the Skagit. August 17th, halibut reopens. Guys have been looking forward to that. If you if you punched out, you got your four halibut uh, early on in the season, you can get a replacement uh, punch card that's going to give you two more halibut, guys. And, and August and, can and be listen, a very cool Nelly time to do it. Nellie and I encountered oh. a, a, a really nice halibut <laughs> during the July fishery up there at Mid Channel. Oh. I'll guarantee you there's still a bunch of halibut oh, yes, out in the straits. And nobody's been out there no messing with them. And you can go out there and you can catch your, you know, go out there and catch your pinks, maybe get a coho and and still target some some halibut. There's a 35 pounder with what looks like a vampire mark right here with two hooks. Swimming around at mid channel right now. With my hook hook marks in in, in his mouth right there. Ryan Lampers, of course, our uh, our in studio guest today. And, uh, you know, just just off a bear hunt. And, uh, man, I just can't believe you you made it to bed barely at midnight last night, Ryan Lampers, and Mm -hmm. in in the studio today. So, uh, How good does a Berry Field Washington Bear taste? I've said this a lot of times. It is by far our favorite meat in my household. Just bear meat in general. I love spring bears as well, but there's something about these fall bears. You know, there's generally a little extra fat on them. Um, They are just hard to beat. They're just hard to beat. They got a really good flavor. They're fatty. And uh, no, that's why we're out there. That's why we really like having two tags, honestly, because we can uh, fill freezers with mm-hmm. some of, in my opinion, some of the best meat available, and that's fall bear. Well, and I, I feel the same way about bear meat. Um, and, and my wife, Callie, who, you know, she eat, eats a lot of wild game because that's what we eat. That's what our freezer's full of. Uh, these fall bears that, that I shoot, her by far her favorite wild game, and, and I... There's elk in there, and there's deer oh in there, and yeah. there's all kinds of stuff. So it's you know yeah. it's one of those things. Once you turn somebody on to these berry bears we have here in Washington, the, these bears remember that there's not a lot of deer, elk. We don't have a huge deer elk population here on the west side. Those bears eat a lot of grass and berries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's primarily what their diet can you know that's what they're eating. 
anything that eats berries and grass yeah. Yeah. is going to be pretty tasty. Yeah, you stay away from the bears that are have access to fish rivers. Yep. Uh, a lot of that skunk cabbage type environment. You just, you know, focus your time on these alpine areas with berries. You're going to have a great, great taste. And, and that was my introduction when, when I was working in, in fisheries research projects with the University of Washington in, in, on the Alaskan Peninsula. And, and you know, they dropped me in the middle of Chignik, which is like the most dense brown bear area on the Alaskan Peninsula. And, and, and of course, we had all these interactions where you've got all these big dumpster brown bears coming in, biting the seats off as three-wheelers and snowmobiles and flipping dumpsters over and stuff like that. And every now and then... They'd have to pop one in the village because, I mean, it was a safety concern. Of course, well, young, stupid biology student over there. I mean, I'm all in this stuff, right? You know, because we're seeing them on the streams and stuff like that. And I was there. And I'll never forget this. It was my early 20s, and they were breaking one of these things down, and you could smell that thing because yeah. it had been eating red salmon. It had been eating three-wheelers. It had bitten garbage. It had bitten gas tanks, right? Mm. And 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 I didn't even want to try to taste this thing just the way it smelled. And that's but it's the same thing with with your with your black bears too. You know when you're breaking that bear apart, you get a sense of its essence. You get a sense of its taste. It is a clean eating meat. I absolutely love it. You know, bear hunting has has quickly become my second favorite hunt of the year <laughs> over mule deer, surpassing elk even. Um, and part of that is, yeah, it's the country we get to hunt them in. Yeah. You know, the alpine, the high stuff. Even in you know, obviously Washington doesn't have a spring hunt anymore, but. I'm from Montana, and we still do. But just the terrain that it puts you in and the meat that you come away with, is uh, it is hard to beat. It's and really if you haven't sat on the top of a mountain looking at a berry field, watching – because, look, we, we watch a lot of bears. It's not like yeah. we shoot every bear we see. No. I spend a lot of time just watching bears. There's sow with cubs. Listen – you can sit there all day and watch these. Is there anything funner than roll watching and, bears do what they do? No, Dude, I mean they're they're just. That's why I absolutely pity people that don't leave the cities and don't leave their screens. Gang, the greatest show on earth is Earth. Mm-hmm. And so when sit you get and watching and observe, you get to go up there. Like you know, I'm like you said. I, I had a couple days up there. We saw you know a good amount of bears. You get to see goats in their element. You get a. You know, hopefully you plop yourself down to some high lakes, and right now the the high lake fishing is incredible. You just get to see all this stuff, and yeah, you'll get weather at times, but when it clears, it's amazing. So, and, and one of the best possible things you can do in this state right now in August, in my opinion, is put yourself up in the alpine. It's and just the physical shape you have to be to get up there. The healthy air you're going to breathe when you get up there it is its own reward. And that's that's why I'm so concerned about the direction of WDFW is they're shunting kids and families and people away from this. And it is not it is not in the best interest of our citizenry. All right, we're gonna pop out here for a quick break. We get to pick on Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics, who you tried to honestly you tried to kill him. I tried on, to break him. I feel <laughs> like I did a pretty good job. On, on a on a hunt this winter. Mark Boardman, Vortex Optics, in for a little tune up here. <laughs> Come up here next here in the outdoor line. Seattle Sports Station seven ten and Seattle Sports app.